What's up, guys? Welcome back to Blockhash Exploring the Blockchain, episode 306. Today, we have uh, Dan Sutherland, the CEO and founder of Self, on today to talk about the importance of data and privacy in the space and their take on it and how they're going about helping solve the problem. Dan, welcome to the show, man. Really appreciate it. Hey, good morning. Thank you for having me. Of course, anytime. Um, before we jump in and start talking about self, tell me a bit more about yourself. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> and a, um, <laughs> uh, a bit about your background as well. You know, what kind of led up to doing this? What did you do prior? Yeah, so cool. So I'm, uh, I've worked in tech for about 25 years. Um, I uh, The majority of that time was spent running a managed services and uh, cloud services business called Carenza, which I sold back in 2016. Um, and uh, we ran that um, for about 15 years. So that was, um, that was a really, really interesting journey. And we were mostly delivering cloud services for things like central governments and banks and big e-commerce platforms, people like eBay, that sort of thing. So um, uh, that led to kind of having a pretty good understanding of the importance of security and the workings of security in, in a technology context, um, and also an understanding of why it didn't work and why maybe things needed to change. So um, having exited that, um, I spent a bit of time doing the thing that I do with my other hat, which is invest in early stage biotechnology companies. And then um, I uh, gradually moved my way into starting self, which um, came when my co-founders um, had a project he'd been working on uh, and uh, we looked at some things i'd been thinking about and we decided that maybe that joining those two things together and, and, and building what's become self would be um would be a, a good place to be yeah that's really cool and that makes sense too given your background was there something about blockchain maybe in particular that made you think that this is maybe the best way of going about you know solving and creating some of these solutions no it's the short answer to that question um so blockchain uh blockchain was the use of uh, particularly public blockchains, which is where self is at now, um, has come about from a lot of iteration on things and looking for the right technology to solve the problems that we've been trying to solve. Um, and so uh, we're absolutely not doing crypto, doing blockchain, doing those things for their own sake. We're doing them. We're doing them because they're the right way to solve the problem that we're solving. Um, uh, although I've invested in um cryptos since sort of 2015 or so um that's just personal investment the, the, the reason we got to this from a tech point of view is because it's what works yeah but the distributed system uh you know behind blockchain was that something that you found that was suitable for you know doing what you guys are doing now with self uh yeah so distribution um Distribution was super important for us. So I mean, it, I, mm -hmm. and I'll go through a bit of uh, what self does and how it works in a while. But but um, but the heart of it is the idea that the centralized world is is the core of a lot of the problems that technology presents. Not just to you know people who are technology natives, but but to you know to, to people's grandmothers who are getting defrauded. To, to, to governments who can't arrange id systems to work properly and you go and look at the the danish government launched a new digital id system a couple of years ago um which um 
which replaced an existing one that was paper-based that was kind of clunky but it worked and they've replaced it with this digital system and I, I've rarely ever seen a lower trust pilot score on something than the Danish government are getting for their digital ID system. It's like a one out of thousands and thousands of reviews. Um, That's horrible. <laughs> people are, yeah, people are, people are like losing their mortgages and like having their cars repossessed and unable to get a job and, you know, can't open a bank account because they don't have access to this thing that doesn't work. That's incredibly easy to steal data out of. So, um, so yeah, the distributed nature of this, the 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 ability to decentralize control and the ability to distribute data, particularly, um, is super critical. Absolutely. Um, so, what are you guys doing in terms of self to you know apply this a bit more to real everyday life and make it kind of a reality? Is this an application that people download? Is this something uh, that people get set up with? Is like some kind of system? How does it kind of work? Yeah. So, um, so the the core of self is a decentralized network. Um, as with all decentralized crypto things, the the system will progressively become more decentralized over time. Um, uh, a number of core elements are today and, and it will grow, uh, that will grow. Um, so the core of it is a decentralized network. That network is, I guess, analogous to a messaging network. It's a little bit like sending SMS messages across a mobile for a mobile platform. It's just literally about pieces of data moving from one known place to another known place. Um, and access to that network is gated if you're a consumer by a mobile app. So you um, download an app. Uh, at the moment, we have um, a beta release that we have out there. We have a self-native app. So you download that, and you on that app, you create uh, an identity for yourself. You curate an identity for yourself. So you start with something, uh, um, a, a passport, for example, um, some information that's coming from somewhere else, and you... Um, you take the power that is normally used by corporations over our data to correlate data, um, and you utilize that to correlate a set of information about yourself that becomes the beginning of an identity that you'll use within self over time. Um, and the objective of that is for it to replace other kinds of identifiers, because we, we believe that online identity is about an awful lot more than the... Uh, than the documents or the accounts that are conferred on us by governments and companies. Now, our, our identities, uh, our online identities encompass our voice, the things we write and the things we say, the data about us that's willing everywhere around the internet, um, and and also those kind of documents and those, and those markets. And the combination of those things kind of begins to define an individual in an electronic world, just as that individual is defined by the friendships they have and the relationships they have and the home they live in and so on in, in the physical world um so um so we create so the users use an app to create an identifier to communicate with the network organizations uh, have access to uh, uh developer environments and apis and sdks that allow them to build uh access points for them into the network so that they can communicate with consumers and with each other um, and they can do that under an, an identity they can also leverage the fact that their employees can use their personal self-identities to identify themselves in the context of the organization so suddenly you can now use this network and use these identifiers to 
map electronically the real world relationships that people have you know the the ceo of the organization can delegate the ability to his management team to do things within the organization who can delegate responsibility to line managers who can delegate down to the down to the person who's making the phone calls out to customers and this is where it starts to hit the real world for consumers right so you have a situation then where a uh, where a customer can get a phone call from say their bank um, across sales networks so this isn't a phone call in the traditional sense of a cell call or a, or a landline call it's a call across sales network which you know looks like a whatsapp call um, but that call comes with a payload that says this call is actually coming from your bank and the person who's making the call is authorized to make that call on behalf of your bank and unlike today's entirely asynchronous means of, con of, of of doing security on the beginning of one of those calls. You know, the bank says, who are you? Give me some security questions. And you tell them some daft things that are probably publicly available anyway. Uh, this is synchronous. So um, as the customer, I can know that it's my bank calling me and the bank can know that they're talking to the right human in real time. Um, and we're doing all of that because built into that app that you've downloaded onto your phone is the ability to do real-time biometric authentication. So actually to be able to go, at this point in time, this human who is doing this thing is the correct human. It's the, it's the human who has access to this account. It's the human who created the self-account in the first place. It's the human who passed KYC three years ago, and we've persisted the validity of that KYC since. Um, so you know you're talking to the right person on both ends. So then you can just have a call about the fact that you missed a mortgage payment or you like a new car or whatever it happens to be. Yeah, this is really interesting. Um, yeah, so like, for example, if I were to set it up and, you know, get one of these identifiers, is there yeah. any like human error in this process still where, you know, it could be potentially incorrect or uh, I could get more than one identifier potentially or submit a false document or does it go through a very strict like KYC process? So, um, so uh, the short answer is it's incredibly hard to do that. And we've not been able to envisage a way in which it could be done. But I've done tech for long enough that I'm not going to say it's impossible. I'm just going to say we can't sure. see how you could do it. Um, so, um, uh, the processes are pretty rigorous. Like we will only take certain levels of proof today and accept those. So for example, um, we, um, and we're looking for every piece of proof that we can have to be something that can be key signed so that we've got cryptographic proof that this thing is true. So for example, we're, we're, I'm based in the UK. Um, uh, which is a really weird use case because in the UK, there is no such thing as identity. Um, like legally, there's no such thing as identity. So that, that's an interesting starting point. Um, but um, uh, we use the, uh, the, the biometric, so the, there's, a, there's a chip on the passport, there's an NFC chip on the passport, which contains an image. Um, and that image has been signed by the issuing authority. So we know that a, that a responsible authority has verified that that image is correct. And we then do image processing on the image from the chip. We don't take a photograph of the passport. We're not interested in that um, other than to be able to process the code on the bottom of it. Um, we take a, a, the image, we compare that image with a bunch of liveness scans that we've done of the user over a period of time and with other bits of info that might have been inputted. But we're not, um, self is not being an arbiter of identity. It's allowing a user to curate a set of identity documents about themselves that they that that are 
proven that have a key, a set of keys associated with them to prove that they're accurate and then give them the ability to both correlate that information and share that information with third parties. So it's less about, because this is decentralized, right? There's no self stores, no data in the heart of its network. We're not, we're not keeping people's passport information. You, when you put stuff into the app, it just goes in the app. It doesn't go and be stored in the cloud somewhere. Um, as one of the things that's kind of important about the security around this is, is you know, we, we don't even trust the, you know, cloud-based file systems. It, th this stuff lives in your phone, on your hand, in your hand, on your phone. And, um, and it doesn't go anywhere else. So when you put information in, it's going into your app. The only time it's moved anywhere else is because you've sent it somewhere. Um, and that includes when you send it out to backup. So it gets backed over. So it gets backed up on, um, uh, it gets backed up by, you know, if you're on an iPhone, it gets backed up to iCloud. But it's kind of double encrypted and sharded and moved around. It's 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 pretty safe when it's in there. We've made sure it's going to be safe, but it's not. Uh, and it's your choice to back it up there. So it's under your control as a consumer. Got it. So you have it like on your phone in a wallet. You know, you, you have total so, so, yeah. uh, control sovereignty over that identifier and, and all that information. Yes. Uh, why, yeah. why not use like a cloud service or a distributed cloud service like IPFS, for example, or something similar out there? Um, is, is that is there like a security concern with using it? Is it just not efficient? Um, both, really. Um, the, the safest. The, so um, with it structured the way we structure it, we know and can trust the endpoints where data is stored and where it or originates from um as soon as we move that outside of the context of that we no longer have certainty that the bit of data is still the same thing that is still is still valid we, we we lose control of it and i think one of the things we've been very keen to do is to you know with my years of doing it security previously head on is to re reduce the number of attack vectors that made it possible for somebody to try and do something that might compromise the system um, or for people to do something that might compromise the validity of the data because with this it's all about our ability to trust that that data is accurate there's loads of stuff that you can put into ipfs there's lots of use cases for doing that kind of thing um, today we're focused on verified data in the future we will um, we will use those systems for things where the validity of the data is slightly less important like we've got some guys in in the us who are working on using this for working on using self for um healthcare so you know currently it's challenging if you go from one hospital to another hospital to transfer your medical records between those two organizations um so what you can't realistically do is build a ginormous great database that contains people's medical records that can be accessed from anywhere because that's just a nightmare there no, there, there are too many dragons there um so if what you do is give the medical records to the consumer you don't give them control over what the medical records contain but you give them access to the records and the ability to share them with other organizations then they can make them portable and they can make a small data set portable rather than trying to give the world access to a giant data set um with it with all its in, you know, attendant security problems so that's a really good use case for using something like ipfs but it's not a core service for self that's a service built on top of self's network and so I think um, uh, we started talking about 
enterprise use of this technology at some point. Self is very much a platform. Like it's a platform for people to develop stuff on top of. You know, we've got some we've got some kids in Portugal who just kind of said, hey, we really want to do an integration between between a MetaMask and self so that we can, you know, use that use that stuff. And we're like, well it's open source, go fill your boots, go and build that. That sounds awesome. Um uh, so you know th there's lots of different kind of things that people can build on top of this platform. The the idea is it's a is it's two things. It's it's a different way of thinking about identity. Um, so you know, almost all the current identity systems, they, they rely on a fallacy, which is that ownership of something or possession of something is a sufficient proxy for identity. You know, because I've got some keys, I'm the right person. Because I, because I have access to a particular device, I am the right person. Because I know a password, I am the right person none of those actually tell you that you're the right person. It's just the person who's got the keys, the phone or the password. And that isn't security. What we want to be able to do is to go, this is the right human. And ideally what, and ideally what people are going to use that for is to do that anonymously because they don't need to know, you know, when I'm buying a pair of sneakers online, uh, I do buy sneakers. I don't know if I buy sneakers. Um, uh, I, I, um, I don't need to tell them who I am. I just need to choose the sneakers, get money, have sneakers sent to me and that doesn't necessarily need to involve me sharing any information with a company that's selling sneakers they just need to give me the sneakers whereas today you know we're giving away i go online and go and buy something the value of the data that i am giving away to that organization as part of the sign-up process is often higher than the money i'm spending on the sneakers that's nuts um and so um so yeah it's um it's kind of makes sense. Yeah, 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 totally. Uh, you you get a really good point. You know, only Dan really knows Dan. Only I really know I. You know, when you really think about it and boil it down, that's you know kind of what identity comes down to. Um, yeah. So owning your keys, you know, and being able to prove that you own your keys, you know, at one point in time and then throughout, you know, the rest of existence, makes a lot of sense. Uh, do yeah. you and. And I know like blockchain distributed systems like takes the whole approach of you should control your own keys. There's no centralized party. But, you know, as we kind of get closer and closer to having, you know, AI as a real reality, do you think maybe mm. there's a use case for having some kind of third party that doesn't have any kind of um, maybe a agenda or um, bad type of um i don't i don't know what the word is but intent maybe to mm -hmm. use that in some kind of um negligent way or to use it in some kind of um bad way or in malpractice uh, it could be an option yeah. in the future that maybe add on to this idea of creating that identity and having something out there that could verify it for you cuz the only thing i ever worry about is us as people or the human error that comes into yeah. it in the level of um i guess naivety yeah and it's I mean, it's not even just human error right it's 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 malicious it's bad actors deciding to do something mm -hmm. because they can take advantage of it so i mean the you know I, I talked at the top of this about um about getting to crypto and to distributed systems is the right way of doing things we, we did that because actually um the core of self the network um will be so we're, we're um working towards an IDO later on this year. And once that's happened, the core of self will be run by a DAO 
with whose purpose will be purely to persist the existence of the network like it's not a it's not a corporate beast that's designed to make profits it's it's designed to it's designed to exist for the benefit of its members it's designed to be user owned to the greatest extent possible um as part of that as part of the sort of sign up process later on this year we're going to be we're going to be giving away a huge number of our um tokens we're giving away something like 10 million dollars worth of uh, of our tokens um and um and we're doing that because we actually want the users to own the network. Like it's really important that they do, but it's also important that as part of that process, the governance gives control over it to mean that a bad actor can't come and acquire this system. Now this system needs to exist outside of individual governments desire to regulate certain things. It needs to exist outside of um, the opportunity for a commercial organization to buy it and make a mess of it. Um, it's a thing that's, kind of slightly like what you're saying it should exist for humanity and for the benefit of all of us and if you break it for one of us you break it for everybody absolutely and that makes a lot of sense too um on, on the topic of enterprise enterprise grade like applications and you know mm -hmm. businesses being able to use it are there any existing or potential partnerships for self to work with uh, certain companies or certain industries in the future because i imagine once you have this identifier as an individual it's probably incredibly beneficial if I could go to Bank of America or my hospital or my, my provider or, you know, any or the grocery store or whatever it may be um, to prove yeah. my identity in different, you know, applications in life. Are, are those like partnerships maybe you guys want to be putting together at some point? So those are the things that we're working on today. So um, how how you build how you build utility for this. So like you can look at self from a number of perspectives. The two kind of primary ones are really how this looks like from an enterprise and how useful it is and how it looks like from a consumer's perspective. So from a consumer perspective, the idea is that it makes life easier, right? So that you go verify this information about yourself once, you know, you do one KYC check, you don't do another one every time Binance decides they need to change their KYC system. Um, you do one KYC check, that and then you can use the validity of that to say i'm still me you know i don't expire because the passport's expired i'm still me um and then you get to reuse that every time you do things like every time you go log into a new organization well instead of instead of having to fill in a bunch of forms and sign up for them using that you 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 know we've you, you just use the data that you've already verified inside self um you know when i when we have um so we have a native app that's that's in production today and an and a, a embedded one that's coming shortly. And the embedded one is entirely for, for organizations, but the embedded one works essentially by saying, by saying the data and the characteristics that are about the user, they, they belong just to the user. Um, and we secure those in a self vault inside the app that's protected by the secure element. There are then some specific things that relate to your relationship with or you use the example of bank of america so they're not a client but let's make them up for now so bank of america's app could be built with embedded self built into it that allows you to do the verification of who you are and the stuff that the bank needs to know but it also means that when you decide you want an account with chase when you open that up that can automatically say you know that that um that, that Dan has an account already um, with self and therefore this information has already been valid, validated. So you can just go log in straight away because you've already got an account in the background of it. So that's kind of how it makes it useful. You're not re currently 
currently tech is groundhog day you know we do the same thing again and again and again and again self is definitely about the utility of making us not have to do that anymore just do stuff once and then repeat it and make sure that the things that are output from that are are integrated with stuff today the beta version of our stuff we haven't implemented the did standard yet purely actually because did is not yet going far enough with organizational identities and asset identities um but uh, but we've we've done the work in the background and we'll we'll integrate it with did later this year um and we're you know, working on a lot of other standards because over the three or four years we've been building this the landscape's changed a lot so um we kind of wanted to make the technology work first and then make it work with standards where that was the appropriate thing to do yeah let's um, talk about gids for for just a second um i've, yeah. I've talked about this as well a few times in the past i think it's a very interesting way about creating uh, these identifiers and you know making them not just useful to you but you know across many different applications is, is that you know one of the primary things maybe that you guys are looking into or is it just one of many right now it's definitely one of many but it's it's super important um i mean the, the did standard allows broader utility right and Mm -hmm. I've already said we want this to be easy to use for people and the easiest way of doing that is not by saying you have to work out how these 25 different things work but just have a thing that is a thing um, where where we have some challenges with it is the bar to what constitutes an identity and what identifies that user um, and currently we don't think that's set high enough currently we think you need to be able to say ideally anonymously this is the correct human that's like the gold standard for us. This human is the right human. Um, followed by pseudonymously, this human is sort of roughly this right human that you think is probably called Bob. And then entirely overtly, there are a few use cases where you need to go, actually, this is, this human is Brandon Zem. Right? And that only has right. to happen very occasionally. And you definitely don't need to do that when you're hiring a scooter to get down the street to a restaurant you're late to, you know, or when you're buying some sneakers, but maybe you need to do it at the airport and it's, it's kind of doing it, doing, doing, doing those things and, and recapturing what identity is. We've got some, actually, we've got one really cool integration we're working on. We've just got a, um, uh, just got a grant from the ripple foundation to integrate self into, uh, XRPL. Um, so that we can, so that people who are transacting on Ripple's network can verify that the person that they are sending something to or receiving something from is the person they think it is and vice versa. Like it's a, it's a, it's a synchronous check so that you can be sure that um, firstly, it's the person you think it is, which is kind of super useful if you've got fat fingers and you type wallet addresses incorrectly. Um, uh, but it's also useful in the sense that you can bolt onto that like KYC, AML checks, sanctions checks, that kind of thing. So particularly Ripple with its focus on banks and, and big enterprises, they want to know that they're sending funds to somewhere they should be sending funds to so that they don't get themselves in trouble in the future. Um, and uh, and it also allows people to communicate because we have this comms platform inside it. It means that two parties who are trying to transact on Ripple's network can use their self messaging system or calling system to communicate with each other about a transaction or indeed send something to somebody else using the name rather than using the wallet address. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, that is cool. Um, when did that happen with XRPL? Was that recently or has that been? The yeah, so they one? announced mid-January, they announced their Wave 4 grantees, which we were one of. 
Um, and uh, yeah, super excited about that. That's going to be really cool. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, one more question before we kind of start wrapping up. I wanted to kind of apply this to a real world use case um, in the past here, I guess not too long ago, but you know, given 2022 and all the problems we've had in, in the blockchain space from Celsius to Voyager to BlockFi to FTX, um, especially mm -hmm. with FTX, do you think that, you know, if self was being applied in some of these situations, especially like the FTX situation, that maybe that could have been either prevented or mitigated, um, whether it's, you know, being able to prove where certain funds are, make sure that, you know, certain activities weren't happening in the first place, um, you know, giving a bit more of control and transparency to the the customers and their funds. Um, do you think that there's maybe an application in some of those instances where, you know, self was missing and could have really been beneficial to have? Yeah, uh, absolutely. So probably the most important word you said in that was transparency. Um, what, one of the things that self can do is provable transparency. So like, I know we know that this is happening at this point in time. We know um, uh, we can we can prove that at this particular point in time, this organization held this many Bitcoin for the sake of argument um, and and make it more complicated than an auditor going in and saying, yeah, I've had a look in the wallet. There's that many Bitcoin in there today. But actually, they've been borrowed from another exchange who previously lent them to a third one. And, you know, they're spinning the plates around all over the place. We obviously don't yet know exactly what happened, particularly with, with FTX. But um, if what happened was just massive traditional corporate fraud, it's it's quite hard to do anything about that inside an organization. Um, that's kind of where regulation can be really useful. Um, but there is an expectation, I think, that should be placed on organizations by their customers that those organizations, if they have been asked to hold on to somebody's assets, should be transparent about the whereabouts of those assets. And it should be possible for the user to check at any time that that's what's happened, right? That was kind of part of the concept of crypto in the first place was this is going to be different from traditional banking where all those bad people in suits have been lending each other money they didn't really have. And now none of us have mortgages anymore. Um, this was meant to be a different world and it's kind of descended into the same world because money, I suppose. Um, but yeah, you can absolutely do things about transparency. You can do things about knowing who the parties are to things. You can, um, you can do things about making sure you know about the transfers of funds from one place to another. Like, you know, you can start tying coins to individual identities. That's part of the thing that we're looking at with ripple is, is like knowing that, the these 20 bitcoins which are essentially a, a, a electronic asset they belong to this individual who might be anonymous they don't have to be uh, overt but this human owns these coins where are these coins and being able to work those kind of things in i think is super important but it's it's not something we've we've, we've had the opportunity to do yet but i would like to see that happen yeah, totally. I, you know, I think corruption rears its head in so many different ways, but in multiple different industries, like not just the legacy 
system and uh, world sure. that, you know, still exists, but even in the new one in the most innovative technological technologies yeah. and, and within blockchain, within fintech. I mean, last year was a very yeah. good example of that. Um, yeah. So it's exciting to have technologies like what you guys are building out with self and to have those as a more reliable option in the future. I do think it'll be something that helps, you know, prevent a lot of these contagions. <laughs> um, hopefully it doesn't happen right. again to that extreme, but you know, it will eventually. There'll be there's there's still some skeletons in some closets somewhere I think that are yet to appear but we'll um, we'll see hopefully Absolutely. hopefully hopefully not as avert and you know the crypto ones are super painful but it's um it's interesting that the scale of them still is so much smaller than the big traditional failures you know Madoff's Ponzi scheme was so many times bigger than the uh, than the uh, FTX stuff um, uh, let's hope there isn't more on that scale to come. Yeah, he's fighting it pretty vehemently, uh, SBF is. So, I mean, I guess we'll mm. see what the verdict is in the end. I mean, I, I won't be yeah. presumptuous, but I do think there's plenty of fraud there. So, well, well I guess we'll find out. Um, Who knows? In, in terms of self, where can people go if they want to not only learn a bit more about it, but they want to get set up and they want to start using it? Uh, they want the application. Should they just go to the website or where would you direct yeah. them? Go to the go to the website. Um, there's there's a bunch of documentation if people want to do building stuff. We've got a full sandbox environment, so you can go have a play and build things and see what works for you. Um, we have um, uh, we have the apps are in the public app stores. You can download those, use those, report bugs because it's a beta and there'll probably be some. Uh, and um, uh and 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 just just play with it. Really, the thing we'd love right now is is feedback um we're working behind the scenes on the on the sort of on the launch customers on the first commercial entities who are building things on top of it which is super exciting um and uh and looking at how um how we work on encouraging consumers and and a big part of that's going to be a big token giveaway um and um that's kind of fun essentially uh essentially you get points for signing up for self and you get points for inviting other people who also sign up. Um, and those points, uh, you continue to accrue points up to nine degrees of separation away from your original sign up. So there's kind of some fun maths in the back of that. And when we get to IDO, those points get divided up and, and allocated tokens. So um, there's real stuff to be, uh, to be handed out off the back of that, which is kind of exciting. And then you've got access to self and stuff that you can do with it, which is, which is super cool. So currently it's, a, it's an invitation system um with a whitelist um with a sorry with a waitlist on it so um if you had an invite awesome sign up if you um if you don't have an invite then um the waitlist will let you in pretty quickly because um we're keen to get we're keen to get as many people as possible trying it out nice i imagine you guys have a community somewhere on telegram or discord potentially uh we have we have uh not much in the way of community on stuff right now um we've got a telegram presence we haven't used it much um uh and uh, discord we haven't used as yet either we're really just kind of peeling ourselves out of stealth at the moment so uh we'll we'll start to work on that as the as the next couple of months unfold yeah build a community man people love this kind of stuff it's a really hot topic right now um yeah. it'll be really good for the longevity of self yeah yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. Um, what about yourself? Can people find you online if they want to maybe uh, connect, have a conversation with you, talk about some potential partnership or collaboration opportunities? Uh, where can they find you? 
Yeah, um, I am normally at Dan Suth, D-A-N-S-U-T-H, on pretty much everything. Um, okay. So um, use that. You can find me that way. Perfect. Um, yeah, Dan, thank you for joining. Really appreciate it. It's been a really, really good episode. And I've cool. learned a lot, not just about you, but also about you know different ways to approach identity and protection and transparency and, and data. And I think in the the day and age we're in right now, especially after last year, it's incredibly uh, vital, I think, going forward, you know, for people, but also for corporations and businesses, enterprise to really consider the importance of it and, you know, what that really means and to learn from some very key lessons. So um, keep doing what you're doing. Very excited to see what pans out and what partnerships you guys have and uh, keep me updated. Cool. We'll do. Thank you, Brandon. Thanks for your time today. It's been really good. We'll do. Take care. See you next time. Thanks. Bye bye.